Welcome back to System Minutes Trivia, the podcast where we pre-game. This is Brent. I'm drunk. And he's a douchebag. He is he is so drunk. He was like during the preview. I'm not so no, drunk. I'm so just a no, drunk. I can <laughs> you get to a point where you're like <laughs> I feel like we have this argument every time you're drunk, too. Where you'll say you're we drunk we, we really and you're like, do. I'm really drunk. And then five minutes later you're like, I'm not drunk. <laughs> It's that I didn't say I was really drunk, you know? I just said I was drunk. I'm like a normal amount of drunk. I'm gonna maintain it through the episode and be really drunk for the baddie, like always, so just fuck off. Hey, right? As you guys can tell, he's actually pretty drunk. I'm not. I had one drink, but I didn't really eat today, so I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's enough. Wow. That's enough to do it, wow. man. You're wow. a gangly-ass motherfucker. He is. He is gangly. I can attest to this. That's all it takes. I've seen him in person. That's all it takes. He's a tiny little guy. Oh my god, going... I mean, <laughs> never mind. What? Just what? <laughs> what were you gonna well, say? More so, Are we so gonna have first, to edit this out? No. The first okay. time that I I met up with Peyton in person, we met with Forge, who was on the show before, at Texas Roadhouse, yeah. and I got to Texas Roadhouse like after Peyton and Forge, but before Brent. Yeah. No. And when I roll no. up, That's yeah, no. yeah. And when I roll up outside Texas Roadhouse, I look over and I just see Peyton with an entire basket of bread just fucking eating it by himself. Why not, man? It's good stuff. Well, that's why I'm not fu- that's why I'm gangly cuz you didn't fucking share. No. No, I think you were gangly before and after that. You, you were much so gangly. <laughs> you were gangly at hope. Probably more than now. I've gained some fucking weight. That's cuz you finally got access to those that bread basket, right? No, it's because of IT body and probably because I drink too much. But IT body? Yeah, like dad body, except what you happens when you work in IT. Oh. oh. Nobody calls a dad body. They say dad bod, Jason. Oh. Well, I'm not hip, <laughs> all right? Okay. You definitely are You not heard it here first. I'm not hip. You are definitely Thank you, Captain Obvious. Moving right along. Moving right along. We have... We'll be talking about something called free IPA today. Or this evening. Free beer? It's, it's not. It's not free beer. It is not. Fucking bitter free beer. That's bitter, comma, free beer. No. Not like bitter free, because it's actually no. bitter. It's free IPAs. No. No, it's a sort of plug-in to integrate Linux with Active Directory. It has nothing to do with beer, unfortunately. But I'm going to need some. But man, does it hop. But, no. Oh, now he's bringing out the stupid puns. <laughs> someone save us. Well, normally it's like someone else with those. True. So Very true. <laughs> I'm a little bit proud of you that I'm rubbing off on you. Yeah, so before we go into news, and speaking of free beer, even though it's not, what are y'all drinking? Yes. <laughs> Peyton, go first. No, you go first, buddy. All right, well, I had a gin and tonic before. I thought you just meant, now... yes, I am drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, oh, God, this is going to be just an episode. Go. Just go. Now I'm drinking... Fate Brewing Company's Watermelon Kolsch with vodka in it. <laughs> I probably could have not done the vodka thing, but it just seemed right. And now you're going to pay the price. Now he's going to Well, pay actually, the price. you're all going to pay the price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to listen to you, so yeah. Pitting, go. I have water. I'm lame tonight. That's all right. Water's good for you. I am back on that Bullet Bourbon 10 again. I still haven't made my way through it, so we'll see how that goes. But great. Santa Bullet. I like it. It's yeah. cheap. Yeah, I actually, I was at a, one of my buddies got married this past week, mm-hmm. weekend. There was like a party on Saturday night before the wedding, which I don't want to talk about why or whatever. It doesn't make any sense to me. Wait, but there was a party the, on the night before the wedding? You mean yeah. a With bachelor like, party? As <laughs> no, in his bachelor well-established party. tradition? No, his bachelor party was Friday night. So then what was the party the night before? 
Saturday night's party included like almost all of the wedding guests, which didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's that's a bit weird. Okay, go, just go, whatever. Well, I was just gonna say yeah, the bar we were at, we got like drink tickets because it was like a catered event, and they had bullet ten, so I drank some, and it was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. It's cheap too. Yeah, comparably. Com- yeah, comparably. You mean comparably? <laughs> no, no, li- no. Listen, you give me shit when I mince pronounced <laughs> stuff when I've been drinking, so I'm gonna do the same. Yeah, but video. I didn't accidentally say calculator. I said calculator, <laughs> but I slurred it. You did. You did. I one hundred percent say calculator, but it was Hayden, slurred Hayden. because I had uh, been drinking. Literally... Okay. Uh, calculator. And we've lost Payton. Okay. <laughs> Payton news go. Payton news go. All right. All right. So this is Payton news. Okay. First bit of news we have is the GOP data firm. A GOP data firm has accidentally, accidentally, leaks personal details of nearly 200 million American voters. Good job. Political data was gathered on the aforementioned 200 million U.S. citizens was exposed after a marketing firm contracted by the Republican National Committee stored internal documents on a publicly, publicly accessible Amazon server. So, that's fantastic. It included home addresses, birth dates, phone numbers, records, included advanced sentiment analysis. <laughs> I would suggest that if you are a Republican and you had your information on there, don't be a Republican anymore. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You know, that's how we get the political shift that's, in this that's country. How we get political shift in this country. That's right. What? Just get hacked or get compromised? Yeah, yeah right. all Republicans yeah, get hacked all yep. the time, so everyone's going to be a Democrat. Fuck it, everyone's a Democrat. When they get hacked, everybody will be Republican again. There we go. Yep. That, that's uh, that's gonna... why the Republicans won because the DNC's got compromised during the election. Payton, it was Russia. Payton, I think he stumbled into something. I probably did. You're a mastermind, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> so now I am a master. I am a mastermind. That's right. So I guess what we have to learn is for every election, don't get compromised, and then right. you'll uh, you'll win. Right. All right. Exactly. I think that's paraphrasing slightly. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going. The second bit of news we have is that the European Union. The article says it might be might want to make it easier for police to obtain data. They don't want to make it easier for them to read that data. They have a proposed and amended regulation that would not only require end-to-end encryption when available, but would forbid back doors that offered guaranteed access to law enforcement. This is actually let's see if they have it's this. So the ban on back doors make it difficult for country for countries to like UK to enforce their Investigatory Powers Act, which requires the companies to remove electronic protection. Since the UK is leaving the EU anyway. It doesn't really matter there. Right. Hopefully, it you know does something that you know the United States and, and other countries will be like. Okay, that's a good idea. Mm. The third bit of news we have is that a Cisco subdomain private key was found in an embedded executable. So let's see now. <laughs> <laughs> so super this... fucking embarrassing. Yeah, that's right. Like, right. That's like hiding your house key under the fakest looking rock outside your door. Right. Right. So this uh, gentleman on Slashdot said he was trying to get the Skies Now TV video player for Mac mm-hmm. to work on his machine. And he noticed that one of the Cisco executables contained a private key that is associated with the public key and a trusted certificate for a Cisco.com subdomain. The subdomain in question is drmlocal.cisco.com. DRM used local. in a <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the certificate is used in a local WebSocket server, presumably to allow secure Sky Now TV origins. Etc. 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 He lists the key or the installer with a Shaw. Yeah. So there you go. And that's payment news. 
And there was much rejoicing from pirates everywhere. Oh, oh man. That's... I have to tell you, you know, that's almost as bad as when Microsoft dropped their UEFI key. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Master. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. Forgot about that, too. Yeah, they, they dropped the UEFI Master and... and Must be was, the yours. There, there was much rejoicing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> God, like, how? 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 I just don't understand. Like, I, I don't know how. Uh, well, obviously, they're not air gapping their stuff. That's clear. Well, obviously. Oh, that's so silly. All right, whatever. So, before we get kicking into the main discussion here, I, we received an email regarding S2E9, where we talked about destruction of data, reliable destruction of data. Which was the last episode, Right, by the way. yeah, we'll link to it, of course, in the show notes, but yeah, last episode. You can just hit the back one link. It, on the show notes page, it should literally show up at the top, saying, like, previous episode and stuff. So, Andrew Barchuk writes in, I hope I pronounced that right, Andrew, writes in, Hi folks, thank you for the show, it's fun to listen to, thank you for writing in, Andrew. I learned quite a few things from you, which is surprising given the amount of alcohol consumed in the process. We're looking at you, Jay Thought. <laughs> Quick question <laughs> about data destruction discussed in the last episode. What is your opinion regarding encrypted drives? Does it make any difference? My understanding is if plain text data never existed on the disk, it's quite e- it's quite easy, I guess, to sell slash throw away. Sure, there'll be some metadata possible to recover, but it will only reveal number slash size of partitions, partition scheme, and maybe version of software used to encrypt, he means. But not much more. A pass of random data should be enough to introduce enough irrecoverable bit errors, making cryptanalysis of the raw data inefficient. Thanks in advance. Thank you, Andrew, for writing in. Yeah, and I did write back to him directly, so we didn't have to wait for the next episode to come out. But basically, I reiterated that, yeah, he's absolutely correct. If you have an encrypted drive, it's going to make that recovery process in a forensics lab much more difficult, if not sheer impossible. Because they can only, when they try and reassemble data, and when, you know, software solutions do this too, they're looking for specific sequence of bytes to make a more meaningful big picture, right? And obviously, depending on, like how much of the physical media you have available and so on and so forth that's that may be feasible it might not with disk encryption they would need the key to do that and they would need padding around that they would need the surrounding encapsulation as well plus they also and, and this is true for like it's true for i believe file vault bitlocker mm-hmm. and i know it's true for lux l-u-k-s slash dmcrypt I don't think it's true for TrueCrypt slash VeraCrypt, all those other forks, that technology. I don't think it's true for them. But all of the other major players in full disk encryption arena, they all have like an encryption header near the start of the file system or partition, really. And that describes the encrypted volume. Without that, the encrypted data, totally useless. It's totally useless. So they would first need to reassemble the header and then try and you know, pick up the pieces and reassemble the data from the drive itself. So if you're super paranoid, I mean, I I recommend using full disk encryption no matter what anyways. I mean, it it does a lot of good things for you. Definitely. So that, plus if you're super paranoid, maybe do the three-pass wipe that we mentioned or physical destruction. The nice thing about doing the three-pass wipe is you can still re-implement the disk elsewhere. I still hesitate to recommend selling it even after all these precautions. But again, like... That's like tinfoil hat. You're probably okay reselling it if you go through all of these steps. Well, I think the thing to reiterate here is that 
recovery like this is actually fairly expensive. Super expensive. You know? Yeah. So your average Joe Blow that you sell to on Craigslist is not going to have the money to do this. But you also don't know if Joe Blow is a Joe fed. So, true. you know, true. it depends on what your risk model is. And I told this to Andrew as well. It all depends on your risk model, how paranoid you need to be. If you've got like a nation state after your secret jet plane or something, <laughs> yeah, it's probably better to play it safe. But if you're just trying to hide your taxes or something, which the government access has access to anyways, you know, if you're just trying to keep that out of the open, you're probably fine with full disk encryption and a couple wipes. Yeah. I'm just laughing at Jaython's comment about what if you don't have the money to, what did he say? To either degauss or EMP. To degauss. And then he talks about being uh, a, you know, a state employee or a bootlegger. And I'm just like, what the hell, man? God damn you. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> we can't help that you're an idiot, dude, dude. You bring this on yourself. You say stuff. Yes, you do. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Oh, that was pretty funny. I love you, buddy. I love you. It's all right, man. It'll be okay. That was, that was a good moment. That was that goes in the highlight reel for season two. Definitely. We don't have one, but you know, if we did have we, one, we it'd be one. in there. Anyways, so on actual discussion. So as I mentioned, free IPA is like a fedora backed. It's sort of like a red. Wait a second. What? 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 No. Nobody ever fucking writes in, and I wanted to thank Andrew personally, oh, first well, of all. you know, maybe if you spoke up sooner, you know. Yeah, well, I'm in a daze over here because you guys are just fucking bashing on me, and I'm drinking. All right, fine, whatever. What were you going to say? That was what I was going to say. Nobody writes in? Yeah, and Andrew I wanted did? to thank Andrew. I know. That's why I'm thanking him. Andrew's thank not you, Andrew. a nobody. Andrew, no. thank you God so much for writing into the show. Everyone, and you're not a nobody. You're Don't not a nobody. You're definitely a somebody. j loves you. And, and everybody actually, needs somebody sometimes. Right, exactly. And Jathan <laughs> would like a picture, preferably without a shirt on, and he'll be happy. Um. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, do you want to talk about You can reach Jathan uh... directly at jathan at <laughs> sysadministrivia.com. Hey, did you want to talk about the uh, the link that he put in IRC? What? The link he put in IRC. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, we didn't mention that. Okay, so... Yeah, go for it. The NSA has also opened their own GitHub account, and they have 32, 32 projects that have been developed by the agency. I find that hard to believe. I'm sure they've been developed by someone else, and the agency has used them. Yeah, well, sure, yeah, with, like, an open-source contributor license agreement or something. Microsoft does that kind of stuff all the time, especially yeah, right. for patches. But, I mean, the NSA does have some some really great people involved in... Well, I should say people who really know their stuff involved in CS in their, you know, hired by them in-house. Didn't we? So it's possible that, yeah, I mean, you know, the NSA developed SE Linux, right? Right, right. Yeah. Wasn't there a story that I saw that a plant shut down because they found WannaCry? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why was that not in the news? Where was that? I didn't see that. I pasted it in. It was a Honda, Honda manufacturing right. plant. Yeah. So we'll have this also as well. Honda, Honda manufacturing has shut down all of their plants. Temporarily. Not all of them. Almost. I think it was one. One yeah. plant. By WannaCry. Because WannaCry. Yeah, hashtag speaking of the NSA. But yeah, I I would be very... I would maybe look at the code and, you know, because it would yeah. be interesting to look at. I would maybe not run it unless you are absolutely sure you know what it does because I... I don't know. I still use SE Linux because at this point it's so... It's well widely. audited. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's well audited. And it, and right now, I'd say the amount of code contributed by the community compared to the code contributed by NSA, I think there's more code by the community now in SE Linux. Yeah. But I can't be sure on that unless I looked at the stats. But yeah, so like I still trust SE Linux, but I'd be very careful about this particularly because it's 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just being overly skeptical, but you should really be doing that with all code you implement anyways. Just taking a look at it and make sure it looks okay. Taking the yeah, reputation of the author into, into account and stuff like that. Well, I'm looking for this uh, Honda thing. We'll have it. We'll find it and have it. We'll, we'll put it in the notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it'll yeah. be in the notes. I keep logs. Yeah. I'll find it. I, I do too, but anyway, the point is that they found WannaCry. There, I remember in the article they did mention that they weren't sure if it was old, if it was an old infection, and they had locked out the domain that you know you use to stop it or not and so they were right. going to check and figure it out so again we'll have that news article in there for you guys sorry about that everyone. that's all right and i f- since it's only fair because my podcast got plugged or this podcast that you're listening to right now got plugged on the other podcast i'll do the same for them i on monday night took part again and you know i i do it on occasion i think this is maybe my third or fourth time i was on the radio Sattler podcast put out by uh, Radio Sattler of Hope fame and other HackerCon fame. They run a podcast, and I'll link to the episode, but we someone did mention WannaCry there as well. And supposedly it is linked to, like, the, the recent of actual WannaCry. The vulnerabilities behind WannaCry are strongly, we're pretty sure at this point they're NSA in origin. But WannaCry itself, the malware, was supposedly traced back to North Korea. I still have my doubts about that. Yeah, me too. But I'm not going to say it's outside the realm of possibility, certainly. And the reason it was, and this is moving more into theoretical territory now, but the reason that it was so easy to take down, it was because it was a a test run that sort of escaped the sandbox, if you will. So Yeah, that's what I remember reading too as well. Yeah, so that's the going theory at the moment. but It wasn't meant to be released in a while, but it was. Yeah, which is why also nobody's collected the ransom from yeah. the Bitcoin wallet either. Right. So I guess we'll see where that goes in coming moments. But yeah, it's definitely something to keep a pulse on. But For sure. Uh, yeah, that was a really big aside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole, well, that's all right, whatever. So anyways, back to free IPA. <laughs> back to free IPA. So I'm sure all of us are at least familiar with what Active Directory is. It's a sort of identity slash account management system on Windows networks. It also handles things like DNS, box sort of registration. It handles a lot of different components. All NTP into one is in there. Of, yeah, NTP, yeah, NTP. Yeah. Handles a lot of different components under one sort of groupware-esque thing. It's not quite groupware because it doesn't really focus so much on communication, but you can use your groupware to tap into it for communication tie-ins and stuff like that, whatever. Email, I think, is plays a part in it. I think you can link an Exchange server into an Active Directory. I believe so. Yeah, so there's something called free IPA. Now, it's not, I would just want to get this out of the way, and we discovered this, like, right before we recorded. It is not a drop-in replacement, unfortunately. It is more of, like, I don't think you can just swap out your domain controller with it. Yeah. But it can serve, from what I understand, as an Active Directory, like, node, which is definitely useful, and it more so tries to re-implement Active Directory in a more open way using open-source software. Hopefully, that means it's going to be easier eventually to join Linux computers to an Active Directory domain as well. But I guess we'll see how that plays. I think their end goal is to totally be able to totally replace the Active, Di- Active Directory controller. So that'd be great if that's what they manage. They're on, what, version 3 now? Yes. And version yeah. 4 is in development right now. Yeah. Okay. If Based on their timeline, if I had to guess, I would say maybe version 5 or version 6 is when they'll have full domain controller replacement capability. And you are, and they do want people to contribute, so it's not a closed source system here either. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's open development as well. So by all means, get on that, especially if you are both a Windows and Linux admin slash developer. 
because really it's Active Directory has... I know I keep saying Active Domain. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not a Windows guy. Active Directory. Because Active Directory has such like a stranglehold on, yeah, on IT. Yeah. You know? It really does. It would be fantastic if in the future you could have Windows clients. So, I mean, you know, I understand like Linux desktop, all that hype. But it'd be great if you had a sort of solution that would allow like Chromebooks and Windows desktops both to interoperate seamlessly within the same enterprise environment. That would be fantastic. That would be so great. Right. Yeah. I mean, one of my, so I've been working on a project. We're supporting a workshop in July. This is something that happens every summer. And I've mentioned, I know in the past that we basically tie into like main campus IT at, mm-hmm. at CU. And typically, if we want to get people access to internal resources that are inside the campus border firewall, basically what that looks like is we have to request what's called a sponsored account, and then they have to use either the campus wireless or wired networks or the Cisco VPN to connect to those resources, right? Mm -hmm. Well, why is that a pain in the ass? Well, the amount of information they require to create a sponsored account is pretty extensive and some people are kind of uncomfortable giving up that much information which i understand but kind of is what it is but on the flip side you know we have to gather the information from the users pass the request along wait for it to be fulfilled the person then has to log in for the first time and set a password before their account's active and all this other stuff and until they do that we can't really like actually grant them access to anything right Mm -hmm. so what i've been sort of working on i guess is a way to for short-term things sort of not circumvent that process because that makes it sound like it's a negative, like sort of malicious thing. It's not malicious at all. It's more so there's no sense in us putting the work on them. And there's no sense that, you know, we're doing the extra work to collect all that information from users to get sponsored accounts when we could just run perhaps our own VPN or something like that to give them access to the resources that they need without necessarily exposing it to the like outside the campus border firewall. Mm. So, you know, it would be great if free IPA was like a quick solution to stand up for that type of situation. So I could also have like central authentication built into that as well. Well, you're you're using OpenVPN, which does support centralized authentication. You just might have to find a plugin for it. Yeah, right. Well, it's like, you know, essentially they need to get to OpenVPN, SSH, and potentially like GitLab would be nice. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why all three of those wouldn't be able to use the same resource. I don't think it'll... These are outside accounts, right? They're not, like, student or staff accounts? No, no, they're completely, like, outside the university people. Yeah, so you'd probably have to run your own thing, but I mean, that's... Yeah, I can see, like, LDAP or a quick LDAP instance or something. Yeah, which I that. think that's what I'm going to do is open LDAP. Mm-hmm. But And you can definitely have OpenVPN off against LDAP. Yeah, I'm almost positive yeah. GitLab and honestly, I'll probably just distribute configs that have keys in or search. Mm -hmm. But it's not even that. It's more so that I wish that, you know, even setting up open LDAP, it's not hard. It's just a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass. Exactly. And so if something like free IPA could sort of be like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy in the Linux world, like what's something you just stand up and it sort of just works? Well, I'd say that's more so depending on the distro than anything. Sure. In some cases, but SSH. Yeah. Okay. Like if free IPA was like SSH in a sense where you just sort of installed it and the base configuration and options made sense for a lot of people and in a pinch, you know, it would just sort of work. Yeah, but I mean, SSH is also super limited in scope. Right. Yeah, I know. And I understand that. Like, there's definitely going to have to be some configuration, but... I think free IP might be overkill for you. No, Um, I think it is in this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do like the way you're thinking, though. 
That's the first time you've ever said that. That is not the first time I've ever said that. I just don't say it very often. Uh, yeah, and usually it's more like, I like the way you're thinking, but you really suck at everything. It's <laughs> true, though. I mean, really. I mean, you know, whatever. I'm kidding, j I'm kidding. It's fine. I'm pretty drunk. <laughs> yeah, so it does look like a really cool project. I would say it's probably got a limited use case now. Because if you're on a Windows network and you're looking to pop up like a domain controller, it's not quite there. It's it's basically, it's more of like a relay node than anything, comparably. It's not quite that, but it's, it's sort of like yeah. that. So, I don't know. Like, I definitely appreciate and understand what they're trying to do. I don't think they're ready for prime time. And I wish I could see it in action. However, Wait a second, though. Hayden has. Wait a second. What? It does say, though, in the description, the 389 directory server is the main data store and provides full multi-master LDAP v3 directory infrastructure. Yeah. That's not going to place an entire active directory. No? That plugs into it. Or you can use it as the back end in your active domain. Okay. Active directory. Did it again. <laughs> but you can't. It's not going to replace all of the services of active directory is what I'm saying. You know, right, Jathan? Yeah, are you with me? Yeah, okay. No, I, okay. Yeah, I hear you. Got it. I don't know. Yeah, so so Peyton has actually seen it in action. Peyton, do you want to talk a little bit? Are you at liberty to talk about I, that a little? Yeah, bit? Yeah, I mean, I I was at Self, and I was at Self, and they had a they had a big display up oh, there. Oh, cool. The free IPA awesome. guys were there. Uh, well, they had a whole bunch of stuff going on there. Shout out to Striker, Striker, go. But they, I didn't spend a lot of time with it. But the time that I spent with it, it was, I mean, it was. It was very nice. It, it had a lot of very, uh, very cool features. Uh, I mean, like you said, like it's been said before, it's really not like completely ready. Mm. Yeah, but there is, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's getting there. I mean, it looks marvelous. And it, the ability to switch groups, like I watched the aforementioned striker. Actually, he went through and he was changing uh, groups around for a user. And it was actually a really, really simple process. Like group management was super easy. So mm. if you're looking for something like this, I mean, I... I can't speak highly enough of it from based off of the short amount of time that I spent with it. Now, I'm actually currently right. installing it in my ESXi, so I can play a little bit, and I'll probably do a write-up on it if I can at some point, too. So Yeah, that'd be yeah. cool. We can we can put that on the uh, on the site or, yeah, or link absolutely. to it or whatever. Cool, very cool. I don't have much use for it personally right now. I can see once it becomes a little bit more complete, I can definitely, because my, my company is entirely telecommute. Yeah. So we'd have to find a way of sort of tunneling it through the VPN, the stack VPN, or integrating it somehow to make that happen. But I can definitely see it being a value add. I've, I've been looking at sort of centralized identity management systems lately. The problem is we have so many different services and not all of them tie into one particular thing. Mm -hmm. So it, so in this case, like something like this, where it offers several different, like, you know, it has Kerberos and, yeah. you know, like it, they all tie in together on the back end yeah. there. That is useful. Well, and I would really hate to plug Active, Active Directory because I don't like it that much. Mm. I mean, I use it in a very limited scope, right? And, you know, for what it is, it does actually work really well, so I have to mm -hmm. say that much. But the nice thing is, at least on Linux systems, almost, not, maybe not almost everything, but a large majority of things, like web services and different programs you might be working with, can tie into PAM. And then, of course, PAM can always tie into LDAP or Active Directory. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of an extra layer to get it working in both directions, if you will, with PAM being like the middleman. Yep. But it's something to keep in mind. Like, you shouldn't rule out a central authentication means just because it doesn't work directly with what you're trying to do if you can utilize PAM as well. Right. Yeah. If you 
the more interfaces you're able to provide to your centralized identity management, the better, I would say. Yeah. And I honestly, I would highly recommend using PAM whenever you can anyway, just because mm -hmm. it's really well documented. There's so many like configuration options for it. It's really, really extensible. Peyton, did they demo any of the centralized pseudo management for you? Yeah, that was one of the things he was doing. He was just trying to make, he was trying to set up a, uh, a pseudo -er, and he had one, one user set up. And then he changed from that user to another user, and he wanted to check if a group would allow sudo. And so he mm -hmm. added that group not to he I forget exactly how he did it, but he added that user to a like an admin group. It wasn't admin, and then he mm -hmm. was able to log into the server and sudo just from doing that. Mm -hmm. It was actually really really smooth. Like it took no time at all, and there was no like guesswork. Like will this work? It actually worked really really well. So yeah. So there. You, I mean, there you have it. That's that in itself is a huge benefit having like yeah. centralized pseudo. You can do that with Active Directory as well. Right, but it's it's a little convoluted. Yeah, yeah. It's a was, lot of configuration comparatively I, from what it looks like to mm -hmm. me. Anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Because I mean, LDAP's more general purpose, right? It's not sort of centered specifically around role management sure a lot of people use it for that sure and there's a lot of very useful cookbooks and plugins and all sorts of things but a lot of handy schemas to implement it that way but it's not what it's really designed for it's like xml you can make it do a lot of things a lot of people use it for a certain thing but it's not specifically what it's designed for so yeah yeah it's really really honestly it's really slick you know just it doesn't take much to download it and check it out you know Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially I've uh, like we've we've been talking a lot about VM labs yeah. lately. So if you have your own VM lab, it'd be a great great implement to uh, a great resource to implement and and test out to see if it's ready for your production environment. So when we say we're it's not ready, we mean like to replace Windows servers. You know, we don't necessarily mean it's not ready for production or your production environment. So, you know, I mean, if it fits your use case, by all means, you know, support it and get bug reports in if you find any. But it seems pretty mature. I might have actually asked the free IPA guys if they wanted to come on the show, too. So oh, yeah? I need to hook up Jathan with their contact info. So it would be kind of cool to have them on, I think. But that's up to you guys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'd love yeah. that. I'd love to have them on yeah. and, and talk more about it. Absolutely. And by the way, that, that reminds me, if you can't tell, like, this is going to be a short episode. I know every time I say that, I choose it, but we're only at 35 minutes in the raw, yeah, yeah, almost yeah. 36 minutes in the raw right now. So we're running pretty slow. So yep. we're, we're just going to be flying all over the place for a while until we decide it's time to, to talk about the baddie. If you have anything you would like to discuss or you would like us to discuss, or if you have a guest you have in mind that you would like on the show, you can definitely contact us, info at sysadministrivia.com. We have individual emails. Jathan sort of serves as the guest liaison, if you will. He's at jathan at systemministrivia.com. But we prefer you use the info at address yeah. so we can all see it. A little it. bit easier. And it keeps us all on track. So, yeah. So, by all means, reach out. Get in touch with Please. us. Yeah. Or use the use the contact form on the site. There's like a billion different ways to get in touch with us. Yes. Actually, I have something I'd like to talk about now, though. Yes. Okay. And this is maybe... I'm not sure how much experience you guys have with with this really but you know it's 2017 we have puppet and we have ansible we have chef i don't know mm. i literally have not met anybody who's used chef but i think it exists still <laughs> it exists still yes so i guess why would you go to a central authentication scheme instead of just using your configuration management to spread users and groups as appropriate to different machines i have an answer for that okay well then i'd like to hear it because i think it's a good question <laughs> it is a good question so we 
when you run these sort of configuration managements, right? You run the risk of one box becoming out of sync. Okay, but that would to... that would mean basically that your configuration management was no longer running properly, right? Right, but it's not something you really think about unless you're trying to push out a change, right? Uh, How often are you pushing out changes? Me, personally, every day, but... Well, that's because you use it for identity management. Yes, I do. Well, no, I don't, actually. You don't? Well, I use it to create, like, Linux users, but Mm -hmm. their password is still handled by Active Directory. Okay, right. Well, I I don't know. I mean, let me put it this way. I also have... Well, I also have a nice shiny dashboard and something lights up red if configuration management starts failing. Right. And, you know, I know you might be against something like that, but for me to just... What? I hate that. Yeah, but... I'd rather get an email. For me to just keep it up in a tab that I can tab to and look at, you know, oh, 5,000 machines are green and one is red. Better check on that one that's red. Mm -hmm. But how often does that actually happen? Almost never, and when it does happen, it usually indicates there's actually a legitimate problem, which I then look into. Okay, so then every time you add a new user or change the privileges of a user, you have to... If you're using something push mode, like Ansible, you have to run that again, and then it runs through and it checks every single component of that configuration. Sure. Your agent is going to be taking up wasting CPU cycles and memory while it checks against this particular configuration just to add this user it's going to be doing that nonstop. so if you want something if you want to do it in one place and really let's be honest configuration management systems aren't they're kludgy when it comes to maintaining identity you know yeah i think so but only because in my opinion it would take less time to just manually create the user in most cases in a sense but they're not they're more centered around distributing files and configuring the system they're not like, if you want to use it to join to an Active Directory or something, yeah, by all means. But as for, like, direct identity management, it's really not an ideal place. Because then you're going to, you also run the risk of, like, running into stale users or, I mean, inconsistencies happen, you know? And it's easier when it's just a config file or something like that or a missing package than it is for, like, trying to track down all users that haven't logged in in X days on this box versus all users that haven't logged in in X days on this box when you can do that all in one place, you know? Yeah. Right. Or if there's a password breach, you still have to push that out to X number of machines where instead you could just do it in in one place. It's like for a small shop, you're not going to see a whole lot of benefit unless you either have a ton of users all hooked in to this one system or if you have a ton of systems slash a ton of services. I mean, these both both of these things are inherent to large enterprise systems, large corporate systems, but not so much to small businesses. But if your small business is so centric around a, a large number of servers slash services slash identities, then yeah, that's something you're going to want to move towards. If it's just if you just need like accounts for like yourself and one other admin on all the boxes or something, I'd say centralized identity management is probably overkill at that point. But if you've got, I don't know, 30 or more users you need to account for, I would definitely recommend it if it's if it's feasible, if it's, you know, within the means of resources and time and so on. You so think forth. 30 is an acceptable number for central? Yeah, it's 30, 30, 50 around there. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with you, but I think it does. <laughs> I'd be interested to hear why you disagree. <laughs> well, I don't I don't directly disagree. I think maybe I just am thinking in terms of scale, my numbers might look a little bit different. Your numbers are probably much larger. Yeah. yeah. You know, the one thing I definitely agree with is that configuration management is certainly not centered around managing users. And, mm-hmm. you know, both Puppet and Ansible, I'm not going to try to speak for Chef because I haven't used it and I think it's a piece of shit anyway. 
<laughs> Seriously, how many people have you ever heard of that's like, yeah, I'm running my in for using Chef? There are people, man. Like one, there are people. one guy. No. There's that one guy in the back going, <laughs> woo! <laughs> you know, so I, I agree with you there. I think, and my point about, you know, it takes longer to add a user using Puppet than to just do it manually. I firmly believe that. Like, mm-hmm. for me to type user add, you know, dash D, dash M, and specify the, the home directory location... Even using PDSH across an entire cluster takes less time than typing out the user definition in Puppet. Mm-hmm. And I should include here that to properly... And then you have to wait for the agent to call in, too. Yeah, which that's fine. I mean, it takes a minimum of, or a maximum, rather, of an hour to add a user across a whole cluster for me, mm-hmm. which is but not still, a big deal. I mean, identity management, it's, it's literally done the second you hit OK. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But so my thing, though, is I had to basically write a module for Puppet that was like a wrapper to the user type mm-hmm. so that I could effectively manage users across many machines and environments. And I'm extremely proud of what I wrote. If I was allowed to under my contract or whatever, I would totally publish it as open source because I think it's badass. But I do recognize that one, it's something I had to invest a lot of time into to get it working well for a mm-hmm. mixed environment like I work in. And a lot of other people probably do as well. There's still some features that are maybe not implemented so well. Like I don't, I don't really want to disclose a specific thing here, but but let me say this. In Active Directory, you can basically add a machine or a computer to an Active Directory, and then you can specify certain groups that belong to that computer, and then you can specify certain people belong to those groups, right? Mm-hmm. That's a piece of functionality that does not inherently exist in Puppet or Ansible, and it's something that yeah. I more or less have recreated in Puppet, but it's a lot of lines of puppet code or whatever puppet language whatever it is mm-hmm. and it doesn't let you just add a new box in at any time and you know like you still have to hard code in sort of yeah i mean i'm using if anyone who's using puppet knows about the idea of roles and profiles it's like a model that someone who works for puppet enterprise or worked for them sort of came up with in terms of organizing your nodes that's the like type of organization that i use so i can pretty quickly replicate things across different places and whatever that's really abstract but my point is it leaves you with a much more flat role structure yeah in a sense my point is though two things one like you point out with using like central authentication your group changes and stuff like that are immediate Mm. whereas with configuration management the agent still has to run before Mm. changes are enacted and number two i think that with something like active directory or other central authentication you just have a lot more flexibility in terms of treating different machines differentially, right? Like if you're managing 200 machines with Puppet, but all 200 are slightly different, you're not really going to be able to take advantage of Puppet because what Puppet is good at is doing the same thing over and over and over. Right. Mm -hmm. Which in my environment, you know, to manage the compute clusters, that makes a lot of sense. But if you're in a mixed shop or you're especially at like a small business where you're not going to have a a whole cluster or a lot of repeat hardware, like a lot of stuff is single purpose, your configuration management is probably going to look a whole lot different than mine. But I think you could still take advantage of something like, like open LDAP or active directory much more Mm -hmm. than configuration management in that case. Yeah. I mean, it just gets to a point where you want to do so much and you have so many resources be it systems or services or people or whatever that it just becomes on infeasible it's not a pleasant experience so i yeah well it's it's perfectly able to be done with with config management oh it's always possible 
Yeah, but at some yeah, a point, lot of things are possible with config management, but there's the point is there's something better for it. Well, at some point when you're writing, you know, tons and tons of code to make your configuration management work, yeah, you're not really doing config management so much as programming to accomplish tasks on a system. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's. I guess that's one way of looking at it. But more to the point, though, is that there's something that already exists that does this for you. You know. And I think that's the point I'm trying to make is like the, the don't reinvent the wheel when there's like a big Toyota four by four wheel just sitting there, you know, <laughs> does Toyota make cars? No, they don't. What's a, what's a good tire? Man? Toyota. Or does Toyota make tires? tires? Goodyear. Thank you. Makes tires. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I wanted to avoid saying Goodyear because they, they had a lot of issues. Mastercraft. Is Firestone. Mastercraft. Firestone. I don't know. We'll ask, we'll ask like, I feel like Firestone had even more, American tire. more issues than Goodyear. I don't know. We'll ask, we'll ask Taters and the tech steward. They should they're, know. They're, they're tired. They're gearheads. Yeah, they're gearheads yeah. and targos. They would know. But yeah, my, my point is like, you don't want to use like, you don't want to try and reinvent the wheel where there's a perfectly fine, well-engineered wheel just sitting right next to you. So I don't know. I, I think we're ready to move on the bat, onto the baddie. We, we managed to stretch that out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Have any, but any it wasn't, closing remarks? Well, it wasn't even just filler. It was a good conversation. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I I tend to fall into the trap of like if it's not documented in the scratch pad, you know, it's it's not valid. But huh. no, we had, we it was a good conversation. It was Absolutely. good. Absolutely, I agree. All right, Jayton, you ready to do the batty? I'm so ready. A little Fucking, bit higher this energy. Is take Amped up. For him to do this. I'm in the closet. <laughs> I got some beer. I haven't drank that much since we started. I should probably drink more. Let some, me take a sip real quick. Beer? No, no, no. You need to you need to down it. You chug, 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 chug. Mm. Chug. If I take a video of this, can chug. we insert chug. it? Chug. Yeah, sure. Okay, hold on. I'm Do chugging. it up. Chug it chug. down. Chug. 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 It's gone. Oh. Yeah! That took you too long, dude. That was a pint of beer with vodka. That's... That's... That <laughs> took you forever. All right. I could well, have been done um, with that and ready for my next one, and then by the time it took you, they have one gulp. That's because you had the basket of bread, and I didn't get shit, Peyton. I had the best. Of I think what? it's. I think it's because Peyton knows how to properly open his mouth. I. I, I He's had a lot of experience I, I, with that. I do have. I do have a strong working knowledge of drinking beer. So. <laughs> that would imply that my strong working knowledge of glory holes did involve my mouth. So I like this. I like it a lot. Wait. What? I don't. I don't think All the right, alternative so there South is much web No, 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 no. Hold on. We're gonna backtrack just a couple seconds here. No, fuck this shit. <laughs> you not using your mouth for a glory oh. hole is probably worse. Oh boy. Oh, that's boy, what. Boy. Well, I mean, I guess really, you could, I guess you could use your hands. But... No. What if you don't know which end? What I'm if you're gonna use your nostril? No. <laughs> Granted, my nose is big enough. There but... is. There is one or yeah. yeah there is one orifice. That is an alternative for you besides your mouth. No, shut up a second. What if I was on the giving end of the glory hole and not the receiving no, end? No, that's not that's not how that worked. You the, don't know the, me. In order to gain a strong working knowledge of glory holes, statistically, you would need to be on the receiving end. Alright, this than is the fucked up. End. I'm gonna get fired. Because because just hear me out. Because when you're giving, you do it a lot less often. Whereas receiving, it's like a I don't know, maybe six to one ratio. Oh my lord. Alright. Anyway, so the baddie <laughs> South Korean web hosting provider pays $1 million in ransomware demand. Sorry, read it again. I was talking over you. Oh my god, I need another drink. South Korean web hosting provider pays $1 million in ransomware demand. One more time for the people in the back, Jathan. South Korean web hosting provider (laughs) pays $1 million in ransomware demand. Now that you've cleft your audio. But how ridiculous is that? (laughs) 
<laughs> really ridiculous. <laughs> All right, tone it maybe That's down to like an eight. You're dude. at an old thirteen Christ. right now. All right, do I get to just do the baddie now? Shut up. Go. Go. Oh, shut up. Sorry. I wanted to make sure people heard that and, and had it sink in because it's ridiculous. They heard it. A million dollars is a fuck ton. Yes. Right. It's it not is. that much anymore, really. Okay. It's it's it's, it's more than you should pay amount. for this. Yes. Yeah. Go. All right. So Nayana, a web hosting provider based in South Korea, announced it is in the process of paying a three-tier ransom demand of nearly $1 million worth of Bitcoin following a ransomware infection that encrypted data on customer servers. I would be so pissed. If yep. you were the customer? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the ransomware it. infection appears... Well, this is not very well written. I imagine it might be translated. <laughs> the ransomware infection appears has taken place on June 10th, but Nyana admitted to the incident two days later in a statement on its website. Attackers asked for an initial ransom payment of 550 Bitcoin, which was worth nearly $1.62 at the time of the request. Mm. Now, the company did negotiate a smaller ransom payment. Good job. That's but great. But the servers were specifically encrypted by something called Erebus which mm-hmm. I've not heard of before, but it's a ransomware for Linux. It's the hot new shit, yeah. Yeah, apparently last time it resurfaced was February 2017, but it targeted Windows computers. But this version only targets Linux computers. Imagine that. And it can encrypt a royal ass load of file types, <laughs> which are all listed in this article. But it does skip encryption for files found in the following folders. Bin, boot, dev, etsy, lib, lib64, proc, run, sbin. Serve, sys, temp, user, var, dot gem, what? <laughs> dot bundle, dot nvm, and dot npm. Thank God we can still use our node applications. Oh, boy. And, and Ruby. Yeah, and Ruby. So the point here is this web hosting provider, if you're a fucking web hosting provider, and if you are a web hosting provider that has enough money to pay a million dollars in ransomware, you also have enough money to make a fucking second copy of your data. So... In the event that you get infected by ransomware, first of all, you should probably do a better job patching. Second of all, you should just wipe out your primary servers and restore from backup like a real hosting provider. Right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, Nyana, you're getting a fucking baddie. Yeah! You suck, yeah! Nyana. Fuck you. Wow, that was really mean. That was super aggressive. <laughs> it was like... Damn, Payton. <laughs> to be fair, they were like... They were hit with like this totally brand new malware, so maybe... It's not brand new. It's been around for at least most of 2017. Do you you realize we did this to Jathan last week, last time? Yelled at him? Did we? Yeah, we yelled at him because he was like, fuck them. Oh, yeah. Right. (laughs) I don't really mean fuck you, Nyana, but you guys are dumb, kind of, sort of. Mostly. Yeah, they're definitely dumb. You, dumb. you guys really should have had backups. Dumb. I host dumb, one website dumb. for another person, and I keep a backup of it because I'd feel bad if I fucked up someone else's website. I'm actually sorry to hear that you do that. Why? I don't know. I'm just fucking with you. Okay. Oh, gosh. Well, obviously, I just touted myself as a responsible web host. Good job. Did you want a cookie? I think he wants a cookie. We're doing the bare minimum? Sounds pretty good. good. That's not the bare minimum. It is the bare minimum. You have one Dude. copy. I would say backups is... Bare minimum. Yeah. Then what's bare maximum? Like three separate backups. Free upgrades? Yeah. 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 Free. They get free upgrades. They, I maintain the web server. They, they, oh, okay. All right. And right, I update... but you didn't tout that as if you wanted a cookie for it. You right. touted backups right. as if you wanted you said, a cookie You for said, it. I do backups, and that's it. Like, are they even, are they even like, remote backups? Do you have do you have a physical copy and then you have offsite backups? Do you have backups? A, a five-tier backup right. system, Jason? I have a two-tier backup system. <laughs> do, you have, do you have five nines of uptime, <laughs> Yeah, it, Yeah, I do. It you is probably offsite, don't. It's only, like You probably don't. It's probably only, like, 
I think five minutes of downtime a year is like 99.99. <laughs> That's because it's no. Marsh Linux. And you, kernel updates and have, take longer than that. You have an hour yeah. if it's five nine. An hour. It's five nine. An hour, it's, yeah. it's an hour a year for five nine. Hour a year. Sorry. Yeah, yeah it's, I'm it's, coming it's close to that actually. I bet. Uh, we'll see. I I doubt it very much. Props to Linode for helping make that happen. <laughs> 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 Uh, we are not sponsored, by the way, by Linode. We no, but I do boys. love Linode. We are a big yeah, fan. Total um, wait a second. Can we talk about Linode's open beta real quick? What's their open beta? Yeah. yeah. So Linode, only if you're in the Newark data center, mm. is doing an open beta on SSD-based block storage. Mm. Or SSD-backed, maybe. Mm. No, they're all SSD-backed. You get 100 gigabytes free... Until the beta ends, which there's not really a set time for that right now. So my Linode was actually, it was in Dallas, but I wanted to try this out because I always bitch about not having enough storage space on my Linode. You can ask yes, Brent. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm obviously irresponsible with <laughs> downloading large files. You just click yes to everything, Jathan? Yeah, if it pops up, I just click download. Save. <laughs> so he runs Firefox on his, <laughs> yeah. on his Linode. Which is exactly how you get mail. <laughs> <laughs> sexymelch.com is that you have that on your on your Linux? No. Okay. No. <laughs> so, so I just want to give you an initial impression. I migrated to Newark just to try this because it's something I'm genuinely interested in. Uh-huh. And it's something mm-hmm. that DigitalOcean and Vulture have offered for a little while now. But I refuse uh-huh. to use them because I really like Linode's customer service. They're Pretty, pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. But so far, I've had a good experience. There's no guarantee on the uptime or like, you know, that they won't lose your data with this. So I'm not using it as primary storage for anything, but I am using it as a sort of backup. It's really, really snappy. It's quick. I just formatted my whole 100 gigabytes as ext4. And that's all I have to say. But if you're interested in that kind of thing, you should look up their forum post about it or ask me if you're interested. And I can tell you about how to how to go about migrating. And stuff. There you go. And that's it. There it is. You heard it here first. <laughs> don't don't start that oh again. Oh my god. We've had so many callbacks to season two, episode nine. This episode. I know. That's very suspicious, isn't it? Suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh my god. No S two E eight. All right. So this has been System Ministrivia. I'm Brent. I'm Jonathan. I'm Peyton. See you around.